It was 2004 Olympics in Athens, Greece, and the United States was poised to snap up all the gold medals in a lesser-known Olympic event known as rifle sharp shooting. American Matthew Emmons was the best shooter in the world, and in 2004, the only question was who's going to take home the bronze and the silver, because it's no doubt, everybody knows Matt Emmons is going to take home all the gold. In Athens, those uh, fresh paper targets are lined up in the different lanes for the different shooters, and uh, uh, it's the final shot of the three-position uh, rifle shoot event. And uh, so after the standing shooting event and the kneeling shooting event, now comes the final shot, uh, the, uh, the prone position uh, shooting and uh, Emmons is in uh, first place by a mile. Emmons' uh, lowest score was 9.3, and all he needed for the gold was an easy 7.2. Now, rifle shooters are trained to shoot, pull the trigger between heartbeats. They slow down their heart rhythm and then fire between the heartbeats, which gives you an idea of just how infinitesimal the margin of victory is. Uh, the medals are measured in millimeters. Uh, so Emmons takes careful aim and uh, waits for the heartbeat, fires. And sure enough, it's a bullseye, dead center in the target. It's a gold medal shot, except for one problem, he had hit the wrong target. It was a rare event in a rifle shooting known as a crossfire. He had shot the wrong target. And for his mistake, Emmons received a score of zero for that shot, which meant that he went from first place to eighth place. He went from a gold medal to no medal. And I bring this up in order to make the simple point that nobody gets a medal for a perfect shot at the wrong target. Everyone in this life is shooting for a target. Every one of us is doing our best to hit that target. And in the Bible, God tells us that this life is like an Olympic event. And it will end with the possibility for some of some crowning medals. But the Bible also says that there will be some who realize too late at that finish line that they have been aiming at the wrong target and that nobody gets a medal for a perfect shot at the wrong target. So here's the question I'm asking myself and I'm asking you today. Are you aiming at the right target? So we go to Jesus because his words are the most important words and they appear in red ink in our Bibles. The Red Letter Challenge refers to this book that we're going through uh, with daily readings for 40 days uh, where we're challenged to not only read but also apply five principles Jesus taught, starting with being. 
where being refers to being with Jesus in a relationship with Jesus. And then forgiving, which is receiving God's forgiveness and then extending it to the people in my life. And then there's serving, which is growing in unselfishness with my time and energy. And then there's giving, which is growing in generosity with my money and possessions. And finally, going, which is being a witness for Jesus and sharing him with others. About 2,000 of us here at BlackRock are engaged in this red letter challenge. We're taking up the challenge to grow together. And today is day six, where we start a full week concentrating on this very first principle, which is being. But what does Jesus mean by being? Jesus says that being is the target the target that I must shoot for in life. And Jesus teaches this in his encounter with two good friends named Mary and Martha as found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are necessary. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So like I said, uh, to Jesus, being is the target. Where being in a relationship with Jesus is the target. It's not just believing in Jesus. It's being with Jesus. Both Mary and Martha are believers in Jesus. But in this story, only one of these two believers was being with Jesus. Martha proves that it is possible to be a believer, to be a busy believer who is missing the target. Are you a believer in Jesus? That's good. That means your rifle is loaded. But it is possible, and many believers prove it, that you can be a believer who is shooting at the wrong target. Martha was a believer who was shooting at being a worker for Jesus, which is the wrong target. Martha was working in the kitchen, probably whipping something up for Jesus because she loved Jesus and wanted to do things for him. But to Jesus, being is the target. It's not just doing things for Jesus. It's being with him. It's so important to get this doing and being thing straight. Martha was doing what a Christ follower should do. She was being like Jesus in servanthood. But Jesus taught five principles, and the first one is being for a reason. The other four, after being, uh, are what it means to be like him, forgiving, serving, giving, and going, as the overflow of the first one, being 
in a relationship with Jesus. Being is the target. It's not just being like Jesus. It's being with him. Jesus says that being in a relationship with him is the target, and in this account of Mary and Martha, Jesus teaches three truths about this idea of being. The first truth is being is necessary. The second truth is being is better. And the third is that being is a choice. First, being with Jesus is necessary. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are necessary. Indeed, only one. What does Jesus mean by few things are necessary? Indeed, only one. Jesus is saying that there are several things uh, that are involved in being a follower of his, but they're all the overflow of one thing. Of course, believers are to believe in Jesus' death and resurrection. And of course, being a follower of Jesus involves doing things for Jesus out of obedience. Of course, being a follower of Jesus involves being like Jesus, displaying his love and power through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus says all these things are the overflow of the first thing, which is being in a relationship with him. Saying, I believe in Jesus, but not having this being relationship with Jesus is meaningless. Uh, it's meaningless to say that I serve Jesus or imitate Jesus if I'm not in a relationship with him. As Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me and this relationship, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying, remain in me and I will remain in you. That's the target. That's the relationship. And if we have this two-way relationship, there is the there is the medal. There is the uh, there is the great goal, the target. But no one gets a medal for a perfect shot at the wrong target. Being with Jesus is necessary. And Mary models what that looks like. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Well, that little phrase, sitting at the feet of someone's feet, uh, is actually not literal. It's a little phrase that's an expression from the first century referring to a person who has made a commitment to engage in a student-teacher relationship. Uh, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, which means that she's fulfilling her commitment to listen to the word of Jesus, to engage in conversation with Jesus, express her love and devotion to Jesus as her teacher, learn how to live like Jesus, and just enjoy spending time being with Jesus, which is a great description, by the way, of what we're going to be doing for the next seven days in the Red Letter Challenge. Uh, over the next seven days, we will do much more than just reading we will actually meet with Jesus. We'll go beyond reading to apply seven practices for meeting with Jesus. Scripture, prayer, 
Worship, solitude, fasting, celebrating, and Sabbath-keeping. Let me just say a few words here about meeting with Jesus, especially about uh, how we do that through Scripture and fasting. First, when it comes to Scripture, uh, I can almost hear some of you who are longtime attenders here at BlackRock, longtime believers, groaning, saying, okay, okay, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, I get it, you tell me this, I've heard this a thousand times before around here. Uh, Guess what? I'm actually not asking you to read the Bible. As we go through this red letter challenge, I am not calling you to read the Bible. I'm calling you to meet with Jesus in the pages of Scripture. And there is a difference. Imagine a husband. Imagine a husband who loves his wife and uh, carries along with him a five by seven photo of his wife. He carries it with him everywhere he goes. He goes to uh, work and he puts that five by seven on his desk. And he carries that five by seven photo with him when he's driving. He props it up uh, so he can have that photo with him as he's driving. When he goes to the gym, he's got that photo on the treadmill. And uh, so far the wives are saying, yes, this makes sense. This is logical. This is what every reasonable husband should do. But listen, listen, when this husband gets home, his wife greets him at the door. And he says to the photo, hello, and kisses the photo. And then when they sit down for a meal, he puts the photo between him and his wife. And then they go to bed, and the wife is saying, what's this photo doing here? I'm here. Have a relationship with me. It's a silly little illustration, but tell you what, Jesus says the same thing when we listen to the Bible without ever intentionally listening to him. It is possible to spend time with Scripture and not spend time with Jesus. Reading the Bible while all along Jesus is saying, I'm right here. Have a relationship with me. Maybe you're a believer who has not sensed the joy of Jesus' presence for a long time, and maybe it is because you have been reading Scripture with no real expectation of actually meeting Jesus in the pages of Scripture. But you say, I'd love to, I'd love to spend some time in Scripture, but I just don't have time. My life is crazy. And when I have a few moments with Jesus, my mind is just so distracted. I see that phone vibrating on the table next to me, and I'm just, I can't. Which brings us up to the uh, question of fasting. Uh, this Thursday, this week, the Red Letter Challenge is going to ask you to try Fasting. Let's talk about fasting for a moment. In the first century uh, uh, world of the Gospels, uh, fasting was mainly skipping meals in order to spend more time in prayer, which is still a great practice uh, today. Skip a meal in order to block out some time to meet with Jesus. But there are those who argue that if the Gospels were written today, Jesus' call to fast would not be asking us to skip a meal, but to skip our media. 
Why? Well, here's the first reason. It has to do with what meals were all about in the first century. Uh, for the ordinary citizen in the first century, uh, there was no TV, you know, there was no social media, there was no entertainment industry, but meals were this multi-hour experience that brought all those things together. Uh, meals were large social gatherings where you got the latest news, you laughed at funny stories, you uh, maybe had some entertainment uh, music, maybe you danced a little bit. Uh, I don't know about you today, but uh, my wife and I, for our meals, uh, dancing hardly ever happens, uh, which reminds me of a true story, a true story of a... Uh, uh, a wife who comes home and she enters the door and she sees her husband at the kitchen counter. She just sees the back of her husband, but she could tell that he is violently shaking. Uh, she can see that, that, uh, that while he's shaking violently, there's this white cord leading from his body to a power outlet. And so she thinks fast. She grabs a baseball bat from near the front door and she whacks her husband on the side in order to try to break him free from the electrical current. Hit him so hard with the bat that it broke his arm in two places. Well, it turns out that the husband was standing at the kitchen counter uh, cleaning the kitchen to surprise his wife. And until he was clobbered with the bat, uh, he was happily listening with his earphones attached to his smartphone. And since hearing this story, I haven't done any dancing at mealtime, and I haven't cleaned the kitchen, which relates to this whole question of first century fasting and 21st century fasting. In the first century, mealtime consumed discretionary time and attention. In the 21st century, it's media time. So if I want to hit that target, if I want to hit the target of being with Jesus, it is possible that maybe I just need to have some periodic media fasts where instead of when I normally listen to music or a podcast, I am going to choose to pray. When I'd normally click on the TV, I'm going to spend some time meeting Jesus in the pages of Scripture, or I'm going to decide to just put aside all forms of social media for a short period of time and use that time to be with Jesus. Maybe you've never fasted before. Well, this Thursday, take the challenge. Take the challenge and, like Mary, eliminate some distractions from your life and make the sacrifices necessary to be at the feet of Jesus. Next, being with Jesus is better. Back to this interaction between uh, Jesus, Mary, and Martha. Martha is shouting her complaints from the kitchen, and Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Mary has chosen what is better. So this story sets up the contrast between two types of people. On one hand, you have Mary, who is full of peace and joy as she's spending time with Jesus. And then you have Martha, 
who is trying to control everything, who is getting stressed out, trying to please everybody, is getting impatient in the process of running around with worry and anxiety because it's all on her shoulders and the place settings are not perfect. The artisan bread is not rising and you get this feeling that maybe Martha's last name is Stuart. You have this contrast between Mary, who is at peace, being with Jesus, and Martha, who is panicked with worry and hurry and flurry, trying to control everything. And the question is, which of these two lifestyles is better? And which of these two lifestyles looks like you? Everyone knows which lifestyle is better. Everyone knows it's better to have peace than panic in your life. Even Martha would agree. Martha complains, and you can read between the lines, it's clearly implied that she's stating that she would rather be doing what Mary is doing. Martha huffs and puffs saying, of course I'd rather be with Jesus Of course, I would rather do it because it's better, but I can't do everything that's better. I can't just drop everything to be with Jesus. And then Jesus breaks in and says, oh, Martha, why not? And Martha says, in effect, because there's just so many things I need to do. And Jesus says, nope, there's only one. There's only one thing that you really need to do. You see, Martha had so many excuses for why she couldn't go from a worried life to a better life. What's yours? Bottom line, Jesus says to Martha, Jesus says to me, Jesus says to you, it is a choice. It's a choice. Being with Jesus is a choice. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Mary has chosen what is better. The choice is yours. This week, make that choice. And I know I'm talking to some of you who um, you've had some really bad experiences in the past. You are carrying a burden of your own sense of failure when it comes to this question. You've had many, many times when you've tried, you've chosen, you've tried to be more like Mary and be and be and be with Jesus, but you fail and you fail and you keep going back to being a Martha, back to a Martha, back to a Martha. I just want you to know that whatever judgment you feel does not come from Jesus. You have a father in heaven who is a father who runs out to embrace the child who just makes even one little motion to come home. Your father runs to you with no judgment only mercy. Your father runs to you with just this passionate desire to be with you if you will choose him. 
So whether it is your first time or whether it's your gazillionth time, the question is the same. What's your choice? You can choose a worried life or a better life. You can choose to be in control or you can choose to be in better hands. You can choose to be stressed out in your mind or you can choose to be blessed out of your relationship just being with Jesus. Let's choose. Let's choose to make this week the beginning of a new and better way of life, being with Jesus. Thank you for watching BlackRock's Sermon of the Week. We're so glad you found us, and we hope that this message helped you feel more connected to God. In talking about connection, we find that it's super important for people to be connected to others and to a community in order to grow in their faith. So if you're in our area, we want to invite you to join us for one of our services. You can find out more about our times and locations right here on this webpage. And if you're not in the area, don't worry. We encourage you to join a local church where you are. There you find people who can walk alongside you and help you continue to grow in your faith. So we hope that you join us next week and thank you so much for watching.